have you turned to Ephesians? If you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. Just hold your place because today we conclude our series called Shift, Preparing Your Ways for Greater Days. How many of you know that God has greater days for you? In fact, look at your neighbor and say, God has greater days for you. He doesn't want you to stay the same. He doesn't want you to be where you are. He wants to bless you. He wants to increase your life and increase your impact in the earth. In fact, Isaiah 54 has been our keynote verse that we've launched out from. Let's look at it this morning. I think this is a few of the verses, verse two and three. In fact, you want to read them together? Let's read them together. You know, used to in church, there was corporate Bible reading. Uh, you know, we'd get up and in fact, I was at a church they had in the back of the hymnal They called it responsive reading. Anybody remember responsive reading? The pastor would read a verse, and then you would read a verse, something like that. Let's just respond together. Here we go. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. You know, God wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. He wants to uh, 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 cause you to have great influence in the earth. And we've looked at this chapter really last Sunday. We looked at nearly all of it on some level. Uh, But he's speaking to people who were barren. Uh, and, And he says, sing, O barren one. He's speaking to people who are unfruitful. He's speaking to people who need a breakthrough in their life. Uh, And he's saying, let me declare over you. Uh, Let me encourage you to partner with my will for your life and begin preparing your days, pardon me, preparing your ways for greater days. You see, God has greater days for you, but you've got to prepare your way. So that's what we've been talking about the last three Sundays. And today we're going to conclude that series. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts that we've been talking about. Uh, and, and, and you just kind of embrace them all over again. We gave a definition to this word shift. To change. To transfer from one place to another. To change gears. To reposition. You know, on some level, our church family is shifting in a lot of different areas. We're changing some leadership models. We're changing the way we do some things. We're shifting. We're repositioning. We're changing gears. And let me just tell you, if you're going to move from point A to point B, if you're going to move out of barrenness into blessedness, and how many of you would love to move out of uh, barrenness into blessedness? If you're going to move out of barrenness into blessedness, there has to be some changes in your life. There has to be some re positioning. You have to shift gears and, and, and change gears in life and allow God the opportunity to lead you to another level of blessing and favor and impact in your life. Amen. And preparing your ways for greater days will always require you to to make some shifts in your life. Now, last week, we've talked about other things, but let me just tell you about last week from Isaiah 54. And I would encourage you, let me just encourage you uh, that uh, uh, if you miss any of these messages, you can get them online. Some of them are already on video format. Some of them, all of them are on audio. I would encourage you, if you would like to just get a, a fresh handle on a good start, uh, it's not too late to get a good start in 2016. Amen. It's not too late. Look at your neighbor. It's not too late. You can, you can reposition yourself right now. Listen, you can shift some things right now 
Even if you haven't in the last three Sundays or the last three weeks, you can shift some things in your life right now and get a fresh start, <coughs> pardon me, and be able to see God do some great things in your life. And so I would encourage you to go to our website, cotrnorth.com. You can go to the iPod. You can go to, you can watch us online. There's all kinds of ways to, for you to get these messages, these last three Sunday messages, uh, and begin to uh, reposition yourself and make some changes in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, let, let me be honest, there's some things in your life that need to change. Just, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. I, 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 I don't want to tiptoe around the tulips any longer. We all know that. We all realize that there's some things in our life that need to change. And God is saying, hey, I never change, but I'm going to change some things in your life. And last Sunday, I gave you four big major shifts that all of us need to shift in our life. And here they are. We need to shift from breaking down to breaking forth. We need to shift from downsizing to water sizing. This was all from last Sunday. We need to shift from fear to faith. We need to shift from being afflicted to not being affected. I love one of the verses there in the latter part of Isaiah 54. He just, he just calls it what it is. He said, hey, you afflicted ones. Uh, hey, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to transform you. And if you'll just allow me the opportunity, I'm going to transform your life to the point that you're no longer afflicted, but you're not, but you're at a place where none of these enemies affect you. You'll move to a higher level. Amen. That's what I call the favor of God in our life. And so that's where we've been. Now today, uh, let's all, everybody, everybody say, listen up. Here's a, here's a, here's a biggie. I'm fixing to give you a biggie shift that all of us, every believer needs to make. And sadly, not many, uh, in America are making this shift. And here it is. We, to prepare our ways for greater days, we've got to make the shift from just coming to church to becoming the church. Somebody needs to tweet that right now. Some of you going, Tweet? What's tweet? Uh, you're way behind if you don't know what a tweet is. Uh, you need to Google, Google Twitter and you'll discover what a tweet is. Uh, in fact, this morning or yesterday, I tweeted something along these lines uh, that uh, the church needs to come to a place uh, where we just quit coming to church and we began to become what we really are. And it's a, it's a transference. It's a transformation of the way we think. Uh, and, and believe me, there's a huge difference from just coming to church to becoming the church. And sadly in America and around the world, really, but, but by and large in America, the, st the stats are out. Did you, can I give you just, uh, and I don't have the references, but these are some statistics and, and, and things that I've gathered up over the last few years. Uh, here's, here's a thought. Anybody ever heard of the Pareto principle, uh, the 80-20 principle? If you're here today and you've heard of the 80-20 principle, lift your hand. Okay, some of you have, some of you haven't. Basically, uh, it comes from uh, some guy named Pareto years ago, and it's in another country, and I don't have all the stats there. He, he, he began to study and found this principle, the 80-20 principle, uh, and it works in a lot of different ways. In fact, he even showed it with the, with the pea patch where he, in the country he's from that 20%, uh, pardon me, uh, uh, 20% of the pea pods uh, produced 80% of the peas. And so he began to show it in different areas. And here, and it's really true. You began to look at it in a lot of ways. Here it is in the church. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 
It's really true. It, it, if, if you start studying society in a lot of ways, this 80-20 principle works. And uh, uh, in fact, financially in churches, 20% of the people normally give 80% of the money. Now, what does that tell us today about the church? It tells us that a lot of folk are just coming to church and not becoming the church. In fact, most people come to church to see what the church can do for them. And I'll promise you, if you'll come to church and begin to yield yourself to the Lord, God will begin to do some things in you. But the big thing he wants to do is transform who you are from just being a church goer to being a part and being the church. Church is so much more than a place we go. It is the person we are. It is our newfound identity as believers. And if we try to follow him, listen carefully, and serve him without the church family, we are crippled at very best. And there's many people who believe, in fact, another statistic, there's just so many strange statistics. To me, they're strange because I grew up in church and I'm committed and, 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 the, and the church is, the, is, is woven into the fab, fabric of my being. In fact, uh, any sports fanatics here, there's some, I'm not a real fanatic, but let me tell you something. I am a Dallas Mavericks fan. Okay. I, I love watching the Dallas Mavericks, even when they're not winning. I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. And you've heard the phrase, you know, like, for and I think the Cowboys actually, I bleed blue. What are they saying? This is who I am. I've tried not to be a Dallas Mavericks fan, but uh, I, I just can't help it. It's who, it was woven into my being and my son and I are, uh, we are connected at the hip when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks. We, we, one of my, one of my secret dreams, it's not real secret, one of my secret dreams is somehow my son and me actually meet Dirk Nowinski. I just love that. It's a part of the fabric of who I am. Anybody want to just pray the Lord in favor us that way? You can. I don't know. But, but that's the way I am with church. But a lot of folk, that's not the way they are. And, 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 and historically, and especially in today's culture in America, there are people who actually believe they're members of two or three churches. It's really odd. But what actually happens there is their commitment level to any of them goes down to nearly zero. It's what we call cruismatics. You ever met any cruismatics? I'm not talking about charismatics. I'm talking about cruismatics. They just cruise here and they cruise there and they think the church is all about them. What can the church give me? And you hear phrases like this. Ooh, hallelujah. Man, there's something going down down there. I'm going to go get me some of that. Like, you know, like it's restaurants. It's crawfish season. Somebody say amen. Whew, I'm a fanatic about that stuff. First crawfish I ever had was in, uh, in my, our little house when we first moved here. One of our members brought me and Nathan some on Sunday afternoon. The girls were gone. We didn't know that it, that it would stink up the house. We ate it inside. My wife came home and said, my Lord, what is that smell? We're going, what smell? I'm telling you, people have... Uh, you know, we get fired up. But let me tell you something. The church seems to be another story. Here's, here's an issue with the church, too. The, the church in America, uh, less than 50% of the people who say they're members of a church come on any given Sunday. That's the statistics. 
What does it reveal? That people are just coming to church and not becoming the church. And if we're going to arrive at our greater days, we've got to shift in our mindset. We've got to shift in our heart. We've got to realize that, that who we are is not just a church goer, but we are the church. This is who we are. The church is not a building, for goodness sake. And so, with that in mind, I want to show you a couple of things. And, and so, if you've if you turned to Ephesians, I'm going to show you that in just a moment. But I think of a lady named Dorcas in Acts chapter 9. You can turn there later. Dorcas was very influential in the church. Her life was making a big difference in the church. And Dorcas died. How many of you know people die? And Dorcas died. Now the inference is she had made such a difference and she was so impactful in the church that God looked down and he raised her from the dead because the need of the church was so great and her influence in the church was so great. So God raised her from the dead. You can read it in Acts chapter 9 verse 36 if you'd like to. Let me tell you something. When you just come to church, let me throw this out. When you just come to church, you can leave and nobody really ever misses you. Let me tell you something, that's true. And then you get offended when they didn't miss you. But you were never really, you didn't bleed blue in a sense. You were just, you were just there, but you were not there in your heart. You see, when you just come to church, it allows you to quit in, at any time without any real corporate consequence. Like one pastor friend I heard, he, he said, you know, there are people who leave your church. They're, 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 they're not in investors. They're, they're, they're always making withdrawals, but they never make any deposits. And, and, and they leave your church because uh, they're, they're just withdrawing all the time. And some, one day the, bank, the account runs dry. And so they leave and go to another church and start making other withdrawals. He said, let me tell you what you missed. Zero minus zero is still zero. What you really did is open up a seat for somebody else to show up because really there are some people who just have not got it. They've not. And, and let me tell you something. If we're going to arrive at our greater days, we've got to make this shift in our heart. I'm going to stop just coming to church and I'm going to become the church. Amen. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. Some of my favorite passages. When I start talking about the church, I can't get away from Ephesians. And you would, I would encourage you to just soak up the book this week of the book of Ephesians. It'll help you understand the power and the influence of who we are. Look what Paul says. Now, therefore, everybody say, therefore. And oh, and, I, and you know, when you see a therefore, you're supposed to look back and see what the therefore was there for. And so I would encourage you to go back today and read uh, Ephesians 1 and 2. And see what the therefore is there for. One of the particular therefores is verse 3. It says, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So therefore, we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. Everyone say fellow citizens. We're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now, 
I'm telling you, this passage of Scripture right here, and really the entire book of Ephesians, begins to introduce to us the reality that church is not a place we go, but it's a, it's, it's a people that we are. It's like, it's like how, many, how many good old, good old uh, uh, American U.S. citizens do we have here? Amen? Hey, let me just tell you, that's who you are. I'm an American. That's, that's in my blood. That's in my DNA. I am American. And we've got to come to the place as believers that, hey, let me tell you who I am. I'm not just a believer in Jesus. I am a part of the family of faith. I'm a part of the body of Christ. This is who I am. It's in my spiritual DNA. Amen. And it is, in fact, a transformative. When you began to embrace it, it's a transformative state of being. You see, we've got to quit just coming to church and we've got to become the church. And so we've got to embrace this state of being, of being what Christ said we are and embracing the new identity that we have. He introduces it to these Ephesians in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And it says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him, that is Jesus, to be head over all things to the Somebody say it. To the church. Somebody say church. That's who we're talking about. And then it says, which is his body? You see, this is not a place you, you go. This is who we should become. We are a part of his church. We are a part of his family. We are a part of his citizenry. We are members of the household of God. It becomes our identity. Amen. Let me tell you some things about our new identity as believers. In fact, let me just throw this. I've said this a hundred times when I get in the book of Ephesians. When you read Ephesians, the first three chapters by and large are spiritual principle. Okay? The last three chapters, three, four, and five, or, or, or four, five, and six, pardon me, are spiritual practice. Get that with me. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are what? By and large, spiritual principles. 4, 5, and 6 are taking those principles and putting them into practice. And you see that very clearly in this book. And so I would, you can, when you read Ephesians, you'll see that. Uh, and I'll kind of show it to you a little bit. Uh, there's spiritual principle and then there's spiritual practice. But we've got to embrace who we are, this new state of being. And so let me give you some bullet points. The state of being, being the church. How many of you know it's time we become what God wants us to be? Being the church is truly a transformative state of being. And so number one, being the church is belonging. It's a state of belonging. This is where I belong. Ephesians 2.19. Look what it says here. We've read it. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, that's people who are lost out in there somewhere. They don't know where they belong. But now you uh, are fellow citizens with the saints and members. Everyone say members. Members of the household. When you study those words there, those are family terms. You know, I'm a walker. This is who I am. You can't change who I am. 
My son is Nathan Walker, Stacy, before she was married. Even though she's now a weir, she's still a walker. Laura Beth, even though she's now a Trevino on the end, in the, in the heart of who she is, that's where she came from, she's a walker. This is her state of being. And so embracing the church is not a place you just come. It's a realization that now I, there's a place I belong. In fact, this verse says, I think it's the Living Bible. I love what the Living Bible says. You need to read some of different, uh, they're not translations. Uh, the Living Bible is a paraphrase. There's a difference, but it's great to read paraphrases uh, 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 from time to time. And it says basically something along these, these lines. You belong in God's house with every other Christian. This is where we belong. And so being the church is a place of belonging. This is where I belong. And we need to, once we embrace, did you want to embrace that? It, it, it's not so hard to come. In fact, when you realize this is who you are, it's pretty easy to come. People struggle when we go into church, you, you know, you want to go today? You, you know, rock, paper, scissors. Listen, that's validation that you still just, you don't get it. This is who you are, for goodness sake. It's a state of belonging. And so being the church is a state of be- belonging. But number two, being the church is biological. When you read, look over at Ephesians 4, 16. Look over here. Let me show you this. Ephesians 4, 16. From whom the whole body, who's he speaking about? The church. For whom the whole body, not part of the body, not just some of the folks, not just 20% of the people given doing 80% of the work, the whole body. Somebody say the whole body. Man, we shouldn't let the Pareto principle work in the church. That shouldn't be the case in the church uh, because it's biological. Look, he said, uh, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by which every joint supplies. Stop right there. When you read those terms, those are biological terms. They're like sinew and muscle and tissue that link us together. We're joined and knit together. It's biological. What, what did he say? We're the body of Christ. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 12? He gives the illustration pretty clearly in 1 Corinthians 12 about some, the hand, the feet. You read it? Have you read it? If you don't, you need to. You need to read it. He said, we're connected and we can't say to the foot or the, the hand or the eye, I have no need of you. We need one another. We're a part of a biological, it's biological, if you will. You see, being the church is a state of belonging. It's also a biological fact. When you don't understand that, it does not bother you to not be at church because you don't believe, you don't understand biology. How many of you don't think it would bother you if on any given day your eyes said, I'm not showing up today? Or your feet? No. Sometimes my feet have said, I don't want to show up today. But you get the picture. We've got a shift in our hearts from just coming to church to becoming the church. That is, if we want to experience our greater days, we've got to prepare our ways. And we've got to prepare who we are and realize, who I, I can't quit. I've I got to stop just coming to church. And I've got to begin to become what God says I am. It's a state of belonging. It's a, it's a biological fact. And number three, being the church is, is beneficial to all. 
When it says in Ephesians 4.16, it says this. Uh, it says, we're joined and knit together by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part. Everyone say every part. That's not 20%. That's every part. That's not even 80%. That's every part. When every part does its share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In other words, it benefits everybody for us to embrace the reality that, hey, this is who I am. It's not where I go. It's who I am, for goodness sakes. I am the church. And then finally... And this is where we want to camp out a little bit. Being the church is not only belonging and biological and beneficial, but it's behavioral. It transforms us from being who we were to who he wants us to be. It changes the way we behave. How many of you know when, when, when you are a rabid Houston Rockets fan, it changes the way you behave, right? You ever heard of season ticket holders? It's not just for rich folk. It's people who just, I just who I am. They, 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 they buy season tickets because it is in their blood. They bleed it and it transforms their behavior. You ever watched them on Sunday morning, those wackos with the dress up? How many have you seen that? That's somebody's daddy, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Painting things on their belly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen. Your state of being determines your state of behaving. Let me give you some behavioral transformations that happen from Ephesians 6 when you embrace the, who you are. I'm not just coming to church, I'm becoming the church. Number one, it transforms you from being children of wrath to children of righteousness. You see it in Ephesians. Look, look in Ephesians cha chapter 2. Look what it says. You he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh. Now, let me just stop all here. He's telling us about how we used to be rascals. Anybody here used to be a rascal? Any, any of you need me to cast the rascal out of you? Uh, you really got to be born again, uh, but then you got to change your behavior. But now he starts on this vein right after he introduces to them who they are. You're the body of Christ. And he did, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking corporately. He's speaking corporately. And he says, you he made alive who were dead. And he goes on to say, verse 3, Among whom also you once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as all the others. That's where we used to be. But when you get born again, now let me follow, let me help you here. You see, bo being born again is just the beginning. When you become born again, you get a new family. When you get born again, you get a new citizenry. 
When you get born again, everything begins to transform in your life. You once were children of wrath, but then when you get over to Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, you'll realize that God wants to transform you through the influence of His Spirit and His church. I don't trust people who want to be filled with the Spirit but not be plugged into His church. By the way, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was poured out upon the church. It was a corporate effort. And when you look, you'll realize, in fact, look over, uh, gosh, look over in chapter 4, verse 17. Let me just show it to you. This I say, therefore, and testify you in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness and work, and work all uncleanness and with greediness. Now stop right there. Uh, that's where we all came from. We were children of wrath, just like everybody else. And Paul says, now, I've been giving you principle, but I'm going to give you some practical. As the church family... You don't walk like they walk. Now you've got a new way of walking. You've got a new way of talking. He said, you, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Christ, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Somebody say amen. And we could keep going and going and going. But understand something. Uh, uh, the, the transformation of God in your life, it, it doesn't stop when you get saved. It's supposed to just really kick in at that point. You see, it's a state of being. It changes our behavior. I am the church. I, am, I have a new family. I have a new citizenry. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God's transforming me from wrath to righteousness. It changes the way we behave. You see, if there's no behavioral change, there's probably never been a change. If you say you're born again, but you act and live like the devil in the world, I doubt whether you've really been born again. Because when you're born again, the Bible says, transformation begins. Your desires change. Your dreams change. Those things that used to control you now no longer control you. But you, He has control and influence in your life. And by the way, after you get born again, you don't have to sin. You just choose to sin. And so the transformation of God, the state of being, when we embrace our life as being the church, it changes the state of our behaving and transforms us from children of wrath to children of righteousness. Number two, the state of being the church transforms us from being illegal aliens to bona fide citizens. 
That's what it says. Look in chapter 2. It says in verse 11, it says this. Watch, watch it right here. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. He's speaking of Jews and Gentiles. Made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. And then he says in verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. Amen. And as, as that, you have the same rights and inheritance as uh, you become what the Bible says, the Israel of God. In fact, it, gosh, uh, it, it says in chapter uh, 2, verse 14, that the Jews and Gentiles, they're no longer Jews and Gentiles. We become one in Christ Jesus. That's transformation, my friend. And being the church will change the way you behave. It'll transform you from being an illegal alien to a bona fide citizen. It'll transform you from being a child of wrath to a child of righteousness. And number three, when you, when you embrace who you are and you realize this is who I am, I am the church, and you begin to embrace the state of being, it'll change your behavior and transform you from being a mere consumer to a model contributor. You'll realize something. I'm not here to consume. I'm here to contribute. <clears throat> That's what Ephesians 4.16 talks about. What every joint supplies. Not just 20%. Every joint supplies. Look, And then he says, and, and when every part does it, share. When you embrace who you are as a believer, that I'm not just a believer and I'm not just a consumer, but I'm a part of this family. And as a part of this family, I have a responsibility to not just consume, but to contribute. How many of you know, how many of you don't appreciate the consumer mindset in American culture? Everybody wanting a handout, just give me, give me. Don't want to work for it. They just think, hey, let's give me, give me, give me. They don't want to contribute. I don't mind being a contributor. But it's hard for me to take the fact that a few contributors are always feeding the consumers. And God looked down and he said, every part does a share. This is who we are. It'll transform you. It'll be like John F. Kennedy said. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Let's all step up and contribute. That's who we are as the church. It'll transform us from being mere consumers to model contributors. We realize, hey, I've got to, I, I must contribute not only of my time, but my treasure, my resources, my, the, the monies that God puts into my care. God set it up so we could all, many hands could make a light load. How many of you know everything we have belongs to God? Amen. It all belongs to God. 10% doesn't belong to God. It all belongs to to God and he's in chase should be in charge of all of it but when we get this reality of who we are you know Josh and Laura and little Gideon they were you know little Gideon got sick so fast last son, last Monday uh, is that right or is that I get the 
I got all man and you know what it was all hands on deck man because hey one of our own is hurting one of our own and we realize hey there's no consumer mindset there everybody steps up and does their part everybody contributes uh, you know uh, and you know and, and, and helps out and so it's not an issue we don't we don't argue who's going to pay for supper or lunch it's that we're all here doing whatever we can to help little Gideon get better it doesn't matter what it costs it doesn't matter how long it takes it, that's irrelevant this is who I am we're family and we help one another for goodness sake you know I appreciate Josh and Laura they're so appreciative of us but let me just tell you this is who we are amen it's who we are being in the church transforms you from children of wrath to children of righteousness. It transforms you from being a mere illegal alien, uh, scratching along, trying to figure out to becoming bona fide citizens in God's kingdom. It transforms you from being a mere consumer to a model contributor. That's what next Sunday's all about, getting the game Sunday. It's not so we can all look funny in our sports memorabilia. It's to find a creative way to get you to engage this, uh, this understanding of who you are and say, you know what? I'm going to stop just coming to church. I'm going to become the church and I'm going to get in the game. Whether it's helping out with the ushers, where it's helping out in children's ministry, whether it's helping out here or there or everywhere or cleaning the church or doing whatever, it's all hands on deck. This is who we are. Amen. We're family. Amen. And then finally, follow me here. This is a good one. When you become the church, it changes the way you behave and transforms you from being a simple seeker of his presence to a sanctuary for his presence. Now, this is transformative faux shizzle. I got my wife giggled a little there. Listen. As Christians, we think it's all about us. And we think, I need His presence. Oh, and we worship because He inhabits the praises of His people. We want His presence. I've heard some less informed and misunderstood, you know, ill-informed people come and go from churches and go, I just didn't sense His presence. I didn't feel his presence. Let me just say, his presence has nothing to do with the way you feel. He's here right now, by the way. You don't have to get spooky to be in his presence. I have a pastor friend who's schizophrenic about that. He and, and I'm semi, Michael, no, I'm semi, I understand that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit's like a dove, I understand. But I have a pastor uh, acquaintance, not as much a friend. You know, he's always telling the piano player, up, oh, no, down. Sound system, up, no, no, down. Oh, we're going to scare away the presence of God because the sound man can't run the buttons right. <laughs> I just didn't feel his presence. They might as well write Michelob over that door. I just can't feel his presence. 
That was a joke. It's Ichabod. But listen, when you become the church, this all changes in your mind and in your heart. You're not running around, oh, where's his presence? Lord, where are you? Where are you? Lord, oh, I need his presence. Oh, 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 man, we need to go find the presence of the Lord. Let me, let me show, let me show you something. Chapter two. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He's talking about the church. The church doesn't come. Listen, here's the here's where we got to make it. We don't come together and try to conjure up His presence. Michael, let me release you from something. As the worship leader, you're not here to conjure up the presence like he's some kind of spooky Holy Ghost. Listen, he, he lives within us. He abides within us. His church is where he lives. We are his sanctuary, for goodness sake. We don't go to the sanctuary. We are the sanctuary. Hmm. Therefore, if you don't feel it or feel him, it's not his fault. Maybe we haven't provided him a vessel where he feels comfortable coming and living and dwelling and having his being on the inside of us. And when people come in the church, I just didn't feel his presence. Let me tell you something. Uh, You better look on the inside because there's something wrong with you, my friend. If you don't feel his presence everywhere you go, everywhere you go, I feel his presence. Let me tell you something funny. You want to hear something funny? We stayed, Josh didn't have the joy of staying in this room uh, and on Monday, was it Monday, Tuesday night, we realized, man, we're over in Houston. We're all traumatized. It's late at night. And the lady says, y'all can't stay here in this, in the lobby. I'd never heard that before. Uh, you got to go. You got to go find a place. So we're at one o'clock after being traumatized. Now we're out in the darkness on our phones trying to find a place to stay. And I just quit. I couldn't even do it. I said, y'all just figure out where we're going. I was, just, I was all frothed. I just... Wherever. And finally, Laura says, we got a spot. We went, it's Scottish Inn and Sweets. Oh, I like the sweet thought. We got the special room. When I say special room, it had two king-size beds. It had a lot of furniture and a big jacuzzi tub right in the middle. <laughs> we had names about that room. I can't repeat them here. They're just... And there was African motif all around the walls. Lions and tigers and bears staring at you. Turned out to be a great place for us to be. We began to embrace it. And we joked about it. It kind of lifted, you know. I laid down that night at 2 o'clock and went, Oh man, where am I? Who has been here before me? And what were they doing in this room? I got to be honest. And if I was doing that, you know my wife. 
she'd have had a black light. Woo! <laughs> We'd come to that room. And I, you know what I found not in that room? I found that no matter where I was, there he was. Because I'm not looking for his presence. I carry him with me wherever I go. I don't go to church looking for him. I bring him with me when I come. And when I don't show up, a part of him does not show up. Because we're family. This is who we are. In the good times and the bad times. Can you imagine us doing Josh and Laura like a lot of people do church? Ooh. Issues. Ooh. I wonder why Gideon got sick. They must have sin in their life. Ooh. Oh, I've heard that. Have you ever heard that? Ooh, the church is having issues. Ooh, probably must, pastor must really get, ooh. They're just going to church. They don't understand who they are. People who go here, here, and there, here, and there, they're schizophrenic, don't know who they are. Trying to find God. In people. Yeah, God lives in people, but let me tell you what else lives in people. People live in people. I tell people all the time, if you don't want to be offended, don't join a thriving local church. Because there's people there. I had one pastor friend of mine say, man, this pastor would be great if it wasn't for all these people. It changes the way you behave. If you have a problem with your behavior, and all of us do on some level, we don't understand who we are in Christ. We don't understand the value we have in being his child and plugging into his people and being uh, the church. It's a state of being. Now, let me give you a secret. Here's the secret, because I'm going to show you one more verse. Our greater days are really found when we realize it's our greater day. I'm not talking about my greater days. I'm talking about our greater days. Let me show you. Let me show you. Look over in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, not I ask or think. Now we're talking about greater days right here. Now follow me, look at, are you there? Are you just, uh, have you already checked out on me? Are you already shifted gears to lubies? Some of you are shifting gears to lubies. I rebuke that luby spirit off you in Jesus' name. Look. Now to him, big H, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above 
All I ask or think, no, all we ask or think. See, this is corporate, corporate, according to the power that works not in me, but in us. And look at verse 21. To him be glory. Where? In the church. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, when it when you get the when you get it, I'm not just going to church. I'm not just coming to church. I'm becoming the church. You become a habitation of God in the Spirit. And listen to me, his greatest glory, he reserves his greatest glory for his church. To him be glory in the church, both now and forever and ever. Amen. That sounds kind of definitive, doesn't it? It sounds black and white, doesn't it? It sure does. You see, the church is the bride of Christ. When you realize that, it'll change the way you behave. Did you know when you get married, it's it's supposed to change the way you behave? It's supposed to. You know, Michael, how long y'all been married, Michael? Michael probably had a dozen girlfriends before he met Lyric, I don't know, but and I know Lyric loves Michael and all, but I guarantee you their contacts are not still in his phone. Are are they? No, 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 they're not. Whoo. Lyric, you know they're not there, right? Yeah, she knows. Because she knows when you get married, your behavior changes. It's not about me, myself, and I anymore. It's about this relationship. Husband and wife is no longer me and and he. It's no longer 50-50. It's all in. We're all together. And that's why the Bible says we become one when we get married. And we come together as one. And listen, when you get in the body of Christ, it's no longer me, myself. It's us and we and and, and ours. and, And God's greater glory is manifest when we understand that and begin to realize that. This is who we are. I'm not just coming to church. I'm becoming the church. Amen. Well, let's stand up together. I got three minutes. If I'm going to let you out at noon, probably won't, but I'll try. Holy Spirit. Today, we just yield to the word of God. And Lord, I know you're making, you're, you're calling us to make some shifts. And today, as we close out this series, I think we need to close out this series with a corporate prayer of commitment to allow God to change things in our life, to change us and transform our lives and embrace who we are as His church. This is not where I come just to get close to the spout where the glory comes out. This is who I am. This is my state of being. 
I am the church. I am the family. It's changing the way I behave. Changing where I go and what I do. How I even spend my money. Every part of my being. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. As we gather together today, I want to just encourage us. For just a moment, embrace the shifts and the changes that God has for each of you. Do it right now. Just say, Lord, I I, I sense this. You've got some changes for me. You know I need to change the way I behave. You know I need to change my mindset and who I am from just coming to church. From just being a consumer to becoming a contributor. Whatever it is, just embrace it. Lord, we embrace it. Whatever it is in you. Go ahead. Push in the clutch of prayer. Say, Lord, I'm here today to make some changes. I'm here to shift the way I behave, the way I believe. I'm here to shift from what I do that is all about me. I'm changing it to what can I do for others. I'm shifting from being a selfish person to being a selfless person. I'm yielding to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in my life to change me from being a child of wrath to a child of righteousness. Just embrace those changes that God is leading you personally in and then we're going to corporately rally together. Father, we rally together. And this is, I don't do this a lot, but I want to encourage you to reach out and take somebody by the hand. If we're family, even Americans will take hands for certain things. Certainly the Christians will. Lord, we rally together as a church family. We know you've got some shifts in our church. Some of them are perfunctory. They're just basic methodologies but some of them Lord God have to do with purpose and destiny and Lord we pray today as a church family you'd help us make the change and the shift that we need to do as a church to to meet our greater day as you said Lord you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think And we ask you today as a church family to help us shift our focus from us to others. A shift from looking on the inside to begin to look on the outside and see who needs you. Lord, I pray you'd open our eyes as a church family to lost people in our neighborhood lost people in our families 
needy people in our workplace and in our schools. You would shift our focus from me to them. Transform us, Lord. Change us, Lord. As a church family. Now pray just a little simple prayer of those whose hands you hold to say, Lord, help them make the shift that they need to make. Help them prepare their ways for greater days. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We embrace the shift, the transformation of God in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Woo!